إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله So we've now reached the end of this book the 40 hadith of Imam al-Nawawi. We're on the final two hadith that we'll conclude in this lesson, insha'Allah ta'ala. So the hadith we're on now, عَنْ أَبِي مُحَمَّدْ عَبْدِ اللَّهِ ابْنِ عَمْرِ ابْنِ الْعَاصِ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُمَا قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُ أَحَدُكُمْ حَتَّى يَكُونَ هَوَاهُ تَبْعًا لِمَا جِئْتُ بِهِ This hadith, Abu Muhammad, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As, radiyallahu anhuma says, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, none of you will believe until his desires are in accordance with what I came with. None of you will believe until his desires are in accordance with what I came with. In this hadith now, at the beginning of it, it says, none of you will believe. What does it mean that none of you will believe? It doesn't mean that you don't have iman altogether. This narration where it says, none of you will believe until your desires are in accordance to what I came with. It doesn't mean none of you will believe that your iman is completely gone and you have no iman. It means that your iman will not be complete. Your iman will not be complete until... Your desires are in accordance to what the Prophet ﷺ came with. The intent here is not negating the iman in totality. The intent is not to negate the iman altogether. The intent is, the point is, that your iman will not be complete. It will not be complete until... Your desires are also in accordance to what the Prophet ﷺ came with. فَقَوْلُهُ حَتَّى يَكُونَ هَوَاهُ So his statement, when he said ﷺ, until his desires are, i.e. his inclination, his inclination, what you are inclined to, and his intentions, they are in accordance to what the Prophet ﷺ came with, i.e. in accordance with what he came with from the legislation. The legislation, the commandments of what is permissible and what you must do, the obligations, and the forbidden affairs, the prohibited affairs that you must stay away from. So do not turn to anything else. As Shaykh Al-Athaymeen, rahimahullah, says here now, your desires have to be in accordance to what the legislation says. So do not go outside of that legislation and do not turn to anything else 
outside of what is halal, and do not go to the haram. This particular hadith though, the scholars have spoken about it in terms of its authenticity. And some of the scholars like Ash-Shaykh al-Albani, rahimahullah, he declares this hadith to be weak. And some of the other scholars have also mentioned that this hadith is weak. So there is some discussion regarding the authenticity of this narration. But the benefits that would surround this narration, based upon its authenticity, if it is so, it is to say that a person's iman may decrease when he leaves some of the statements, or rather leaves some of the obligations. When a person leaves some of the obligations, then the iman decreases, and that is something definitely known. That when a person becomes negligent, a person becomes uh, absent-minded, a person forgets, then that person decreases in iman. And that is something narrated from the Sahaba. It is narrated from the Sahaba, from the companion Umair ibn, Umair ibn al-Habib al-Khutami, radiyallahu anhu. He narrated that he said, when you are remembering Allah and praising Allah and doing the tasbih, then that is when your iman increases. And when you are negligent and absent-minded and forgetful, then that is when the iman decreases. So that is a statement or thereof, similar to it, from the companions, radiallahu anhum themselves. So this affair of iman increasing and decreasing, it is narrated from the companions themselves, that they spoke about iman increasing and decreasing. It is narrated from Ibn Mas'ud. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, radiallahu anhu said, Ijlisu bina nazdadu imana. Come and sit with us, so we may increase in knowledge. Narrated from Ibn Mas'ud radiallahu anhu, come and sit with us so we can increase in iman. Through remembrance and revising the religion and the ayat and the ahadith, then we increase in the iman. So here the point of this hadith is that a person, his iman will not be complete. And that is mentioned in several narrations. We've done some already before. لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى يحب لأخيه ما يحب لنفسه and لا يؤمن أحدكم حتى أكون أحب إليه من والده وولده والناس أجمعين. So we've done some narrations already where this is mentioned that you will not be a true believer until you love for your brother what you love for yourself, and you will not be a true believer until I am more beloved to you than your father, your son, and all of the people. This all means that your iman will not be complete. Your iman will not be perfected, and it will not be complete until you have these characteristics. So a person, this hadith indicates that a person's desire is to be in accordance to the legislation. It is not for a person to negate someone's iman because he saw him committing a sin until he has a legislative evidence. So you cannot use narrations like this or other narrations similar to it and say to a person, you have no iman, you're a disbeliever now because you're not fulfilling this. If a person isn't fulfilling these types of narrations, it would mean that their iman is deficient. Not that their iman has disappeared and they are a kafir. 
So that should be known. Also from the benefits of these narrations is the obligation of submitting to what the Prophet ﷺ came with. The obligation of submitting to what the Prophet ﷺ came with. And that is as it's mentioned in the Qur'an, وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولُ فَخُذُوا وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُوا That which the Prophet ﷺ gives you, then take it. And that which he has prohibited you from, then refrain from it. So that uh, uh, principle of uh, submitting to the revelation, to what the Prophet ﷺ has commanded us with, and staying away from the prohibitions, then that is something known. Similarly, Shaykh al-Ithaymeen rahimahullah mentions, it is obligatory to abandon a person who is upon desires, opposing the legislation of Allah. It is obligatory to abandon a person who is upon desires, opposing the legislation of Allah. And that is also mentioned in the usul, the principles of Ahlul Sunnah, in not accompanying those people who are people of innovation and people of desires, not sitting with those people who follow their da- desires and doubts, and they do not follow the Qur'an and the Sunnah. So as Shaykh al says, we can also benefit this, that it is not uh, correct for you to sit with and to accompany the people of desires, who are following their own doubts and desires, and they are abandoning the Qur'an and the Sunnah and the way of the Sahaba. Also what we can benefit from this narration is, that iman, it increases and it decreases. Iman increases and it decreases, as is the way or the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah, that iman indeed increases and it decreases. So this is from the methodology of Ahlul Sunnah, and there are many evidences in the Qur'an and in the Sunnah, and from the scholars, the Salaf, regarding iman increasing and decreasing. So who can think of an evidence that iman increases and decreases? But we need some precise evidences. If it's an ayah from the Qur'an, then what's the ayah? If it's a hadith, then give us the accurate meaning of the hadith. Ah. Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number 2 وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا That's the shahid from Surah Al-Anfal, ayah number 2 وَإِذَا تُلِيَتْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتُهُ زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا When his ayat, the ayat of Allah are recited upon them then their iman increases their iman it increases زَادَتْهُمْ إِيمَانًا Their iman it increases as a consequence of hearing the ayat of Allah. And in fact, how many ayat are there in the Qur'an which are clear about iman increasing? That's one. How many are there in the Qur'an altogether that talk about iman increasing clear? Clearly mentioning iman increasing. There are six ayat. Six ayat in the Qur'an that explicitly mention iman increasing. Then there are many others which also indicate iman increasing too. And there are ahadith. What are the ahadith which talk about iman increasing and decreasing? Al-Iman bid'un wa sab'una aw bid'un wa sittuna shu'ba. 
علىها قول لا إله إلا الله وأدناها إماطة الأذى عن الطريق. That iman is sixty odd or seventy odd levels. The highest of those is the statement La ilaha illallah and the lowest of them is removing some harm from the roadway. And we covered some aspects of that previously too. Other narrations that prove iman increases and decreases from the sunnah. There's another one we did too in the 40 hadith. Ah, man ra'a minkum munkaran fal yughayyirhu فَإِن لَمْ يَسْتَضِعْ فَبِقَلْبِهِ أَفَبِلِسَانِهِ فَإِن لَمْ يَسْتَضِعْ فَبِقَلْبِهِ وَذَلِكَ أَضْعَفُ الْإِيمَانِ The scholars, they say, this is a proof, iman increase and decrease, because that is the weakest of iman, that's the low. But if you do higher than that, it's the higher section. So that means iman is different levels, and it goes up and it goes down too. And there are other narrations too that prove that iman increases and decreases, there are many. So the shaykh says, one of the benefits we can take from this is that iman, it increases and it decreases. Then the final hadith, عن أنس رضي الله عنه قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول قال الله تعالى يا ابن آدم إنك ما دعوتني ورجوتني غفرت لك على ما كان منك ولا أبالي يا ابن آدم إنك لو أتيتني بقراب الأرض خطايا ثم لقيتني لا تشرك بي شيئا لأتيتك بقرابها مغفرا رواه الترمذي وقال حديث حسن صحيح On the authority of Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu said I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam saying that Allah the exalted has said O son of Adam whatever you call upon me for and hope of me I shall give you for what you have done and I shall not mind O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds of the sky, and then you were to ask forgiveness of me, I would forgive you. O son of Adam, were you to come to me with sins nearly as great as the earth, and you were then to face me not committing shirk, ascribing partners to Allah in anything, I would bring you forgiveness nearly as great as it. This hadith then is another hadith Qudsi, as we've mentioned before, uh, and it is uh, uh, mentioned directly from Allah. So Allah says, Ya Adam, O son of Adam, and all of the sons of Adam are being spoken to, all of the people are being addressed by this narration. Whatever you call upon me for and hope of me, I shall give you. Here now, as Shaykh al-Athami mentions, that the whatever, where it says, whatever you call upon me for and hope of me, I shall give you, the whatever here is conditional. Meaning, whenever you call upon me and hope of me, whenever you call upon me and hope of me, you call upon me, i.e. you ask me to forgive you, and you hope of me, i.e. you hope, for my forgiveness without going into despair and without giving up hope. And that we've mentioned before as well, that a servant does not lose hope and become in a state of depression. Rather you keep your hope in Allah. Ya asrafu ala anfusihim la rahmatillah. Oh my servants who have oppressed or transgressed against themselves, do not be despondent. Do not grieve from the mercy of Allah. Indeed Allah forgives. 
So a person is to keep his hope in Allah. This is the result of the condition, forgiveness is the covering of the sins and the relinquishing of the sins. What does maghfira mean? When Allah says, غَفَرْتُ لَكَ I will forgive you. Whenever you call upon me and you have your hope in me, then I will forgive you. The forgiveness is, the maghfira to conceal those sins and to cover those sins and to relinquish, to release those sins. So Allah covering your sins from the people and pardoning you without punishing you. The maghfira is that Allah conceals and covers your sins from the people too. And that Allah pardons and forgives you for those sins. عَلَى مَا كَانَ مِنْكَ وَلَا أُبَالِي For what you have done and I shall not mind. Meaning, whatever you have done from the sins, whatever sins you have done, if you seek the sincere forgiveness from Allah, and you seek the repentance from Allah, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will forgive. And He does not mind. And that is the ayah, قُلْ يَا عِبَادِيَ الَّذِينَ أَسْرَفُوا عَلَىٰ أَنفُسِهِمْ لَا تَقْنَطُوا مِنْ رَحْمَةِ اللَّهِ إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْفِرُ الذُّنُوبَ جَمِيعًا إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ Say, O oh my servants who have transgressed against themselves by committing evil deeds and sins, do not despair of the mercy of Allah. Verily, Allah forgives all sins. Truly, He is oft forgiving, most merciful. And similarly, then Allah said in this hadith, يَا ابْنَ آدَمْ لَوْ بَلَغَتْ ذُنُوبَكَ عَنَانَ السَّمَاءِ O son of Adam, were your sins to reach the clouds of the sky? Meaning if they were to reach the uppermost section of the skies, But then if you were to seek forgiveness from me, I would forgive you. Meaning no matter how much the sins are, even if they have reached the sky due to their abundance, and then you sought forgiveness from Allah with truthfulness and sincerity, and showing that you are in need of Allah, then Allah would forgive you. And similarly it mentions in the hadith, يَا آدَمِ إِنَّكَ لَوْ أَتَيْتَنِي بِقُرَابِ الْأَرْضِ خَطَايَا ثُمَّ لَقِيْتَنِي لَا تُشْرِكُ بِي شَيْئًا لَأَتَيْتُكَ بِقُرَابِهَا مَغْفِرًا O son of Adam, were you to come to me with sins nearly as great as the earth, and you were then to face me, not having committed shirk, ascribing partners to Allah in anything, then I would bring you forgiveness nearly as great as it. Nearly as great as it. Meaning, nearly as great as the earth, totally filled. If a person meets his Lord, the mighty, the majestic, with nearly as great as the earth, filled with sin, or nearly as great as it, but without shirk though, without ascribing partners to Allah in any way, then Allah will forgive that person. And then that's why Allah says, were you to meet me in that state with so many sins, as long as you hadn't done shirk, then I would come to you with a great amount of forgiveness and pardoning also. And this is as Allah mentioned in the Quran in various places, regarding the severity of shirk and how shirk cannot be forgiven, but that other sins can be forgiven. Just as Allah mentioned, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive that you commit shirk, but He forgives whatever is lesser than that to whom He pleases. So the sin of shirk, if a person dies upon that, without having sought forgiveness for it, 
without having sought from Allah repentance for that sin of shirk and he dies having committed it, then that person is in the hellfire forever. As for the one who commits shirk but seeks forgiveness before death, then that is forgiven. But the one who does not seek the forgiveness, does not seek the repentance and dies upon it, then he is in the fire forever. As for a person who commits other sins, commits minor sins, major sins, commits the other types of sins, but they are not shirk. Then on the day of judgment, that person is تحت المشيئة. He is under the will of Allah. Maybe Allah will punish that person for those sins that he did. And then afterwards enter him into paradise because those sins, they did not include shirk. So a person who has sins but they do not include shirk will maybe go to the fire initially and be punished but then eventually will be removed and enter into the paradise. And maybe from the great mercy of Allah, that person may be forgiven anyway and entered into paradise directly. So this shows that a person who has committed sins that are not shirk, minor sins, major sins, as the scholars have mentioned, there are minor sins and there are major sins. How do we know that there are minor sins and major sins? How do we understand this categorization? There is a proof in the Qur'an that there are minor sins and major sins. What is that proof? What's the ayah for? How is it proof? The proof of the But how? What's the ayah? Where was the proof in the ayah? Where's the shahid? You, you said that. Uh, yeah, how do you prove? Yeah. Yeah. That there have big big ma'asik and small ma'asik. And this ayah of shahid, true. There are ayat like this. There's another one as well. Scholars use it more often. More often. In tajtanibu kaba'ira ma tunhuna anhu nukafir ankum sayyatikum. So if you stay away from the same, similar. If you stay away from the major sins, we will expiate the sayyat. What's the sayyat? The minor sins. Sagha'ir. Because the ayah says, In tajtanibu kaba'ira ma tunhuna anhu nukafir ankum sayyatikum. If you stay away from the kaba'ir, then we will expiate the other ones. What's the other ones? The minor. So the scholars say this shows major and minor. And there are ayat like that one, other ayat which talk about the major sins, the great sins. So these are proofs that there are major sins and minor sins. How do you know something to be a major sin? How do you know if some particular ma'asiyah, some sin is major or it is minor? How do you know? That's one way. One way to know that a particular sin is a major sin is if there is a had. For example, the person who drinks alcohol, whipping. Person who uh, steals, chopping the hand. Person who fornicates and is married to be killed and stoned. All of these particular sins, they have specific punishments. The had, the hudud. Those ones are major sins then. If there is a particular punishment, it's a major sin. Also, Nah. So if there is a particular uh, threat upon that uh, punishment, uh, upon that sin. For example, it says in the Qur'an that whoever does X, Y, and Z, then they will be in the fire. Whoever does such and such, they will be in the hellfire. When you are threatened with the hellfire upon a certain sin, 
that shows this sin must be a major sin. Also, also, the ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ where he says, لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ فَعَلَ كَذَا وَكَذَا When you see the hadith, لَيْسَ مِنَّا لَيْسَ مِنَّا is not from us, the one who does this or that. The hadith where you see them like that, not from us is the one who deceives us, for example. لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ غَشَّنَا For example. Uh, and there are other narrations like that. Not from us is the one who does this or that. When you see a hadith and it says the Prophet ﷺ said, he is not from us, the one who does X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean he's a kafir. It means it's a major sin. It's a major sin, the one who does that. Not from us is the one who deceives us. Not from us is the one who betrays us. Not from us is the one who carries his sword against us, etc., etc. Many narrations where the Prophet ﷺ says, not from us. لَيْسَ مِنَّا مَنْ فَعَلَ كَذَا وَكَذَا That indicates it's a major sin too. Uh, also, the anger of Allah. If it mentions in the Quran that Allah is angry with somebody who does such and such. Allah is angered upon the one who does such and such. If it says in the Quran that Allah is angry on them for having done this or that sin, then that shows that sin is also a major sin. These are different ways the scholars have explained, you can uh, understand what a major sin is. But the point being here now, that as long as a person does not commit shirk, then the other sins can be forgiven on the Day of Judgment. Even if he was punished for those other sins in the fire, for those major sins and minor sins, he may be punished in the fire for them. Eventually he will be entered into paradise because even though he had major and minor sins, he did not have any shirk. So a person who dies upon Tawheed, these are known as the Usatul Muhideen. The Usatul Muhideen, the sinners from the people of Tawheed. So eventually they will enter paradise even if they are punished initially. So what are the benefits of this? The benefits are that a person calls upon Allah for anything or hopes of anything from Allah, then he will be given. A clarification also of the expensive, expansiveness of the virtue and the excellence of Allah, the mighty and the majestic, the great mercy of Allah that he forgives. Also when a person seeks forgiveness from his Lord, from sins, even if they are abundant, they are great, Allah forgives. Also the virtue and excellence of sincerity, ikhlas, and that is a reason, uh, even if the sins are abundant, Allah will forgive him. And the virtue of ikhlas and sincerity, and that is a reason for the forgiveness of the sins. Uh, if a person is sincere to Allah, a person has the sincerity and seeks forgiveness and seeks repentance, then Allah forgives. Thus, as Shaykh al mentioned, we ask Allah the exalted that He grants all of us His forgiveness and His pleasure, and that He grants us mercy from Him, surely He is the bestower. And this is the final narration from the 40 hadith of Al-Imam Al-Nawawi, rahimahullah, and alhamdulillah, we have finished all of those ahadith and all of those narrations from the beginning to the end. And we have briefly explained all of those ahadith. So, inshallah ta'ala, we hope that everybody will continue to revise and go over that and continue to recap that and to memorize that because the books and the knowledge, it can only be kept if you revise it. 
and you go over it. The Salaf, they used to say, Afatul ilm an-nisyan. That the calamity when it comes to knowledge is forgetfulness. Even though you study and you attend and you go through the book, the calamity is forgetting it afterwards. So you are not to forget. A person revises and goes over the books that you've studied. And goes over the hadith and reads again. So you don't forget them. So you don't forget these 40 hadith or 42 hadith that we have studied. So that, alhamdulillah, is the end of that book now. And that is perhaps the second or third book now that we've concluded here. And inshallah ta'ala, we are going to continue studying. However, what we should mention is that next week there is a new venue. The lesson will not be in this hall. It will be in a different hall next week. This one is unavailable for a while. So the next lesson will be next week on Sunday at the same time, approximately 7.30 p.m. But it will be at the Hamara Center. The Hamara Center, which is on Tempest Road. Tempest Road in Leeds 11, Beeston. Uh, and that hall, at the moment, it only has facilities for men. So next week, we're going to go to that hall, the Hamara Center, on Tempest Road, Leeds 11 in Beeston. Uh, at 7.30 p.m., but at the moment, it's only for men in that hall. Uh, this hall is currently unavailable now, uh, for a while, uh, whatever that is. But for the moment, we'll go to Hamara Center, Tempest Road, Leeds 11, Beeston. And that is only for the men until we can arrange uh, facilities for the women once again. So that's where we'll be next week, inshallah ta'ala, at 7.30 p.m. وصلى الله على نبينا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين.